0: After the verdict came out, former vice president and possible presidential candidate Mike Pence was asked to comment, and he said he never, in the four and a half years that he served in the White House with Donald Trump, he never once observed Donald Trump demeaning or abusing women. That's not who he is, said Mike Pence. He never witnessed the behavior that the jury found him guilty of. Mike Pence never heard the Access Hollywood tapes, never once witnessed Donald Trump demeaning women. Odd that Mike Pence, the very same man who refuses to say a word about Trump, even though Trump ordered him hanged, odd that Mike Pence never heard Donald Trump demean a woman. Isn't that interesting? Odd that Mike Pence, one one of abortion's loudest opponents, Odd that he would turn a blind eye to Donald Trump controlling a woman's body inside Bergdorf Goodman's dressing room. Mike Pence has famously said he would never be alone with a woman except his wife. Why? Why is he afraid of being alone with another woman? What is he afraid he's going to do? In Mike Pence's world, in Karen Pence's world, a woman who walks into the dressing room of a department store with another man, well, in Mike Pence's world, she deserves whatever happens to her. Don't think for one second that a hayseed like Mike Pence cares that Eugene Carroll was raped. He's glad she was raped. People like Mike Pence are rooting against Eugene Carroll because she's smart, she's attractive, she's a woman who Mike Pence knows would want nothing to do with him. So many of these Republican men hate women, especially the smart, witty, sophisticated, and attractive women. Mike Pence wants to eliminate no-fault divorce. He believes a marriage contract is sacred and that women should not be free to decide they want out of a marriage because two-thirds of all divorces are initiated by women, and women are the ones who want out of marriages. Before no-fault divorces, the only way out of a marriage for a woman who was in an abusive relationship, the only way out was killing her husband or herself. No-fault divorce changed that, which is why Republicans, especially in Texas, want to get rid of no-fault divorce. The control Republicans exert on women doesn't stop with abortion or contraception. It's about keeping women at home, out of the office, unable to work, so they are dependent on their man. They loathe E. Jean Carroll and everything she represents because E. Jean Carroll doesn't need a man. It is all about subservience. Republicans like Mike Pence want to go back to before Roe v. Wade when women couldn't leave their husbands. And there was no such thing as marital rape. Hard to believe. But it wasn't until around the time of Roe v. Wade that our courts finally got around to saying, yes, rape that takes place inside a marriage is illegal. The white men who control the Republican Party, the kind of control they want to exert on women, goes way beyond abortion. They want to make rape legal. And if you don't believe me, watch the CNN town hall where half the audience of white Republicans laughed as Donald Trump mocked the woman he raped. You heard the if you'd watched it, you would have heard the laughs at the town hall. CNN gave a platform to Donald Trump. There are 26 that we know of, 26 credible sexual assault allegations against Donald Trump. And in front of millions, he got half the town hall laughing at E. Jean Carroll, one of the bravest women in America. That's what CNN did by having Trump on. They allowed E. Jean Carroll to be defiled once again, By these republican monsters that is not news that is not news that was a form of torture that was a form of torture wednesday night you're listening to the david feldman show you happy self-actualized hump greg abbott has no intention of helping people who suffer from mental illness, nor does the National Rifle Association. Instead, they know what they're doing. They're scapegoating the severely mentally ill. Instead of helping the severely mentally ill, they give Americans one more group of people to be afraid of indeed another reason to purchase more assault weapons because in the end that is what this is all about selling more and more weapons making americans so distrustful of each other so distrustful of each other we pour billions back into the gun industry to protect ourselves from imaginary enemies when the gun that we purchase is more likely to be used on ourselves. In order to sell more guns to Americans, Americans are told to be afraid of black people, of Mexicans. We're told to be afraid of terrorists. But those same terrorists we're supposed to be terrified of, who Homeland Security puts on a no-fly list, they are still allowed to purchase weapons. Yes, in America, potential terrorists who have been identified, red flagged, if you will, they are not allowed to board a plane, but they are free to purchase as many weapons as they want, because we're supposed to be terrified of our neighbors. That's how it works here. We're supposed to be terrified of our neighbors. A black teenager knocking on the wrong door, a white girl in her early 20s driving up the wrong driveway. Be afraid of everyone, especially now the severely mentally ill. Greg Abbott, Ted Cruz, the NRA couldn't give a rat's ass about the mentally ill. They just need scapegoats, they need a one size fits all straitjacket to tighten around the subject of gun violence. Without any understanding of how the mind works, they now blame the severely mentally ill. They blame, essentially, the handicapped. They have no idea what severe mental illness is or how it manifests itself. You're listening to The David Feldman Show, you happy, self-actualized hump. Title 42 expired this week, and Stephen Miller, Donald Trump's White House Senior Advisor on Immigration, didn't write Title 42, which was passed in 1944. He simply discovered it and then used it to destroy millions and millions of lives. Under the guise of protecting Americans from COVID, the implementation of Title 42 turned out to be far crueler than the disease. In the past three years, America invoked Title 42 2.5 million times, sending women and children back to gang and drug infested Central American countries, as well as Haiti, where they were met with certain poverty as well as, according to Human Rights Watch, sexual assault, torture, and death. By 2020, the ACLU reported that Trump, Donald Trump had invoked Title 42 to remove 13,000 unaccompanied minors escaping drug cartels, gangs, and poverty. We're talking about 13,000 minors as of 2020. That's the first year. The Trump White House's zero tolerance tolerance policy was devised by Stephen Miller, uh, whose brainchild at the beginning was the flagrant separation of mothers from their children. This was as far back as 2017. Stephen Miller was trying to separate children from their parents. 2017 to send a clear message. Do not come to the United States. You'd be hard pressed to find an American more wicked than Stephen Miller, a xenophobe with ties to white nationalists. Miller insisted migrants were a public health risk and called for Donald Trump to invoke Title 42 on day one of the Trump administration. According to The New York Times, by 2018, Stephen Miller tried to convince the White House that cases of flu, Measles and mumps detected inside immigration detention centers served as enough evidence that migrants spread disease and Trump would therefore be well within his emergency powers to invoke Title 42, even though the spread of those diseases was caused by the negligence of Homeland Security, keeping detainees on top of one another. Human Rights Watch reports that the detainees came to America without covid. They caught it here. Up until March of 2020, Stephen Miller met stiff resistance from White House lawyers on Title 42. But then came covid. I have to fix something. It's driving me nuts. Hang on. Sorry, I I have OCD and this is driving me nuts. There we go. I can't do this without talking and seeing Stephen Miller. Okay, sorry about that. As I said, up until 2020, Miller met stiff resistance from White House lawyers on Title 42. But then came covid while Donald Trump downplayed the severity of the virus. At the same time, he used it in 2020 as an excuse to invoke Title 42 and start removing migrants, including asylum seekers, asylum seekers. And that is in direct violation of international law. You cannot turn away asylum seekers. Like COVID, Title 42 has been a political football. In May of last year, Joe Biden announced he would lift the Title 42 ban after the CDC said that thanks to vaccines, migrants no longer posed a health risk. Biden's decision, of course, was immediately blocked by a conservative judge in Louisiana who said lifting Title 42 would inflict undue hardship on border states would have to spend money on health care, law enforcement, schools, and other public services for these newly arrived migrants after Title 42 is lifted. But Title 42 is about stopping the spread of communicable diseases. That Republican judge, along with all these Republicans, they were just using Title 42 to keep migrants out. This was never about COVID, covid was the excuse. And so an appeals court overturned that Louisiana judge's ruling and like immigration, COVID, Title 42 became another political football. Democrats are no saints. During last year's midterms, many Democrats cared more about appearing tough than they did compassionate on immigration. Senators Mark Kelly of Arizona and Raphael Warnick of Georgia were running for re-election. And they campaigned saying they supported keeping Title 42 in place. The Reverend Raphael Warnick of Georgia said he supported Title 42. Kelly and Warnick were both re-elected, which meant the Democrats kept the Senate and lost their soul. Now, if you're confused by all this Title 42 stuff, don't worry, you're supposed to be confused. Both parties have a strategic ambiguity when it comes to immigration. Immigration is like abortion. Both parties use it to fundraise, to scare, to virtue signal, They stake out positions that portray them as compassionate or deeply religious or tough. But when it comes to passing actual legislation that resolves the issue, they leave that to the courts. If you wonder why the Supreme Court is getting more and more powerful, it's because of the cowardice in our legislative branch. They refuse to tackle serious issues. Instead, they just use these serious issues, these life and death issues to fundraise. On immigration, America historically has a horrible record because immigration, much like the work immigrants do, is seasonal. There's a different time and a different season for how we view immigrants. Sometimes America needs immigrants, so we let them in and refer to them as the lifeblood of our country. But sometimes we need to demonize immigrants to blame them for all the failures of the ruling class. And so we frighten the immigrants. We terrorize them. Even worse, we destroy their family and their lives. There is a surge at the border not a particularly bad one. They predicted that once Title 42 lifted, we'd see a tsunami of people trying to get over the border that hasn't materialized. You will be told if you watch Fox or Newsmax or OAN that there's a surge. Nothing's changed. But there is a surge at the border. There are a lot of people trying to come into America. They are People, primarily from poor Central American countries, as well as Haiti, and as climate change, as well as income inequality, worsen, those numbers might increase unless we do something about climate change and the economic conditions in Central American Haiti that we are one of the causes of. We need to decide whether or not accepting... Asylum seekers is a good or a bad thing. I think you know that I believe it's the righteous thing to do, that we need them. There are little more than 11 million undocumented Americans out of 350 million of us. That number has remained pretty much consistent since the Great Recession of 2008, Three quarters of the 11 million undocumented Americans living here have been here for more than a decade, and many of them have children who were born here and are therefore American citizens. They are less prone to crime than American citizens. Plus, when they work, they pay into Social Security, and when they retire, they don't collect any. Immigrants, undocumented or otherwise, are a net plus for our economy, despite what the racists in the Republican Party want you to believe. We have some serious decisions to make when it comes to immigration. Unemployment is now the lowest since 1969. Unemployment is now the lowest since 1969. I'm going to talk to you like an adult. Nobody talks to the American people like an uh, an adult. These are some truths that we need to reckon with. Unemployment is now the lowest since 1969. And while corporations scream recession and continue to lay people off, other corporations are hiring and complaining There are too many jobs that can't be filled. It's kind of like what they did to us after 9-11. Be afraid, be very afraid, but don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, be afraid. Don't be afraid, but be afraid. What they do with the economic numbers is they tell us corporations are laying people off. There's a recession, but we can't find anybody to fill these jobs. Despite recent rumblings of artificial intelligence replacing all of us, we need people to do the jobs that undocumented Americans tend to do. And those jobs cannot be done by artificial intelligence. We need people right now to pick our fruit and vegetables, dig our ditches, drive our Uber cars, drive our cabs, paint our homes, babysit our children, and wipe grandpa's ass. Those are really, really important jobs that artificial intelligence can't do. The people who do those jobs cannot be replaced. Maybe those are the people who should be paid the most in our society. They are truly irreplaceable. You can live without anything I do to make money. I always say in New York City, everybody's an intellectual until they need a plumber. And then the plumber is king. So these jobs that you don't want to do, you better start doing them because they're the most important jobs that need to be done. And they're being done partly by undocumented Americans. We need chefs, waiters, plumbers, waitresses, and electricians. AI will never be able to do that. We need people who can do things and the refugees can and we can't. Our cities are emptying out as many jobs no longer require offices. We need to fill our cities up with people. We have a shortage of people. Nobody will tell you this. I will. America's population isn't growing fast enough. We don't have enough people living in America to pay into Social Security to keep it going. We don't have enough people in America buying things paying taxes on what they buy as well as what they earn. This is how civilizations die as the population decreases. Our population and most first world countries are suffering from population declines. Not good for the economy. It's why Canada is letting more and more people in. We need more people living in the United States. Now, the people at the border who have been demonized, the people who come to America, are identical to my grandparents who came to America. And they are identical to the monster, Stephen Miller's grandparents, his Jewish grandparents. Stephen Miller and I both had Jewish, have Jewish grandparents. And they came to America for the identical reasons, identical reasons. Um, his grandparents came from Russia for the same reason my grandparents came over. Now, I'll tell you why they came over in a second, and it's going to surprise you. Because you've been lied to about why Jewish grandparents came to America or why any immigrants come to America. Now, 10 years ago, most of the undocumented immigrants, most, I call them undocumented Americans. They're Americans. They're here. I don't even know if one of my grandparents ever became a citizen. 10 years ago, most of the undocumented Americans came from Mexico and they were coming here specifically for work. That's over. Undocumented Mexicans Are going back to Mexico. In recent years, it changes, it fluctuates, especially with COVID. But in the past 10 years, more undocumented Mexicans have moved back to Mexico than stayed here in the United States. Has anybody told you that? Google it. We have a net loss of undocumented Mexicans. They're going back to Mexico. What we have right now is a net gain of undocumented Central Americans and Haitians coming to America for the same identical reason. My grandparents and Stephen Miller's grandparents came here to seek refuge, to find safety. My grandparents and Stephen Miller's grandparents didn't come here for opportunity or work. They came here to escape the pogroms, the persecution, the early 20th century terrorism that eventually became the Holocaust. My grandparents and Stephen Miller's grandparents came here to escape rape, torture, and death. They were welcomed in America as cheap sources of labor, But that's not why our grandparents came here. They didn't come to America because it was the land of opportunity. They came to escape rape, torture, and certain death. Now, the Mexicans who were coming over were coming here for work. They were coming here for work and remittances. The children, the women and the men coming from Central America, Central America and Haiti, are escaping a brutality that Stephen Miller's grandparents and my grandparents would be quite familiar with. It's different. They are coming here. These migrants are seeking asylum. The Central American migrants are seeking asylum to escape political persecution from corrupt regimes propped up too often by America. They are not coming here to work. They are coming here to live, literally to live. We are not a nation of immigrants. Get that out of your effing head. America is not a nation of immigrants. We never were. We like to say we were, The same way we like to say we support the troops, even though only 1% of our population ever actually serves. Only 14% of the American population was born someplace else. 14% of our population was born someplace else. We are not a nation of immigrants. Back at the turn of the century, when this country started to let people in, you know, when Stephen Miller's parents, grandparents were let in uh, only 15 percent of this country was foreign born. So we have a fewer percentage of immigrants living in America than we did back when Stephen Miller's grandparents and my grandparents came to America. We have never been a nation of immigrants. Despite what it says on the Statue of Liberty, America does not accept refugees. I'd have relatives in Eastern Europe who'd be alive today if we accepted, if Franklin Roosevelt had accepted the refugees. We don't accept refugees. Stop flattering yourself, America. We are not a nation of immigrants, and we're not a nation that welcomes the dispossessed. Last year, the United Nations reported there are 100 million refugees worldwide. That's more than at any other time in recorded history, 100 million refugees worldwide. And America is responsible for a lot of them coming from Afghanistan, Iraq. And Russia's responsible for the ones coming out of Ukraine. Record number of refugees, 100 million worldwide. And yet, according to Vox, the number of refugees America accepts has been on a steady decline since 1980 and is now at a record low. This is going to be very upsetting. Very. I would assume Ron DeSantis wouldn't want this being taught in Florida schools. In 1980, America let in 207,000 refugees. Last year, we let in 10,700 refugees. All the people from Ukraine, Syria, the Sudan, all the refugees right that we talk about, we let in 10,700 refugees. Just as as an example, the civil war in Syria created 5 million refugees. America took in, over the past 12 years, 20,000 Syrian refugees. Shame on America. Shame on America. How many times have we drawn a red line and said, if you, if Assad uses nerve gas, we're going to drop a bomb? How many times have we sent weapons to Syria? Five million refugees and America has only taken in 20,000. Shame on you, America. We talk about the decline of this country as though it's inevitable, and it might be inevitable. Great powers decline when they are overextended militarily. That's a fact. And we are overextended military. militarily. We spend more on weapons than the rest of the world combined. We have money for bombs, but not for our civilization. We don't have the money for our people. We have enough money for bombs. But the debt ceiling, they may actually crash the economy because there's no money for Medicare, Medicaid and Social Security. Great civilizations decline when they do exactly what the Republicans want us to do, turn insular when they build giant walls keeping people out. The Great Wall of China brought on the demise of China. When you keep people out, you decline as a great power because keeping people out turns you into a country that is intellectually and economically incestuous. You begin to look and act like Great Britain's royal family. Whatever greatness America has or had, and that's debatable, America, whatever greatness we've had, is not because of the immigrants who came here seeking a better life. Get that out of your head. We don't need the immigrants coming here because they want to study at Harvard, or go work for Facebook. America's greatness comes from the immigrants who came here seeking life. We don't need the immigrants coming here to work in our work as doctors, uh, software engineers. I mean, they're welcome, right? But they don't really add as much to the flavor of our economy and our intellectual growth as the immigrants who come here seeking life do. Because those are the most loyal and American loving immigrants, the ones who know they would be dead, but for America. Einstein didn't come to America because he thought he could make more money or do better academically at Princeton. Einstein came to America because Hitler would have killed him. We are not a nation of immigrants. Get that out of your head. What we are, however, and this gives me hope, we are a nation that likes to believe we are a nation of immigrants. 75% of Americans, according to the latest Gallup poll, 75% of us think immigration is a net positive. We like the idea of immigrants. That's a start. Since we like the idea of immigrants, since we like the idea of taking in asylum seekers, we should start doing it. We have always instead feared immigrants, only accepted them when we needed them and turned them away, especially during World War II. And right now we're turning them away Just like during World War II, I'd have a lot more relatives. And Stephen Miller would have a lot more relatives if Franklin Delano Roosevelt listened to Henry Morgenthau and allowed more refugees from Europe into America. But we turned them away because we are not a nation of refugees and we're not a nation of immigrants. We are a nation surrounded by water, Mexico and Canada. We do not welcome people into this country. To paraphrase Joe Biden, that's not who we are. We speak, if we're lucky, one language, barely English. Most of us don't travel overseas. Most of us don't own a passport. We're not interested. And if somebody comes to this country, It doesn't speak the language. We're dismissive. And that is why we're falling behind. That heralds the end of our civilization. Title 42 expired Thursday night. We're being warned that a tsunami of migrants will be swarming over the border. And yet that tsunami, that fire hose of Spanish speaking migrants, has never materialized. It won't materialize. America's Assistant Secretary for Border and Immigration said the day after Title 42 expired, nothing's changed at the border. Mexico's foreign minister said the number of migrants congregating uh, along the border in cities like Juarez, about 10,000, which is the same as it was before Title 42. There's, There's no swarm. In fact, Mexico reports the, the flow of migrants has dropped in the past week. They describe it as calm and normal. Now Fox News own and what's the Newsmax, they'll take video out of context and convince you there's a swarm of Spanish speaking people coming for you. It's not true. And it never was those migrants who are at the border. Begging to come in. The truth is we need them as much as they need us. And as Dr. King said, if I'm wrong, God is wrong. Stephen Miller is a monster. Stephen Miller is a monster and one of the few arguments for closing our borders. Uh, Maybe his grandparent. eh, You know what? He's been disowned by his family. Stephen Miller has been disowned by his family. That is the face of a monster. Look at that. This is a guy who gets up every day and feels lousy about himself and is a sadist and came up with the idea of separating mothers from their children in 2017 to signal to Central America, don't come here. What kind of human does that? Somebody who's not human, somebody who is a monster. There are monsters among us. There are monsters among us. There is evil among us. Stephen Miller, Donald Trump, Steve Bannon, Ted Nugent, Ron DeSantis, Ted Cruz, Laura Ingram, and what's her name from Georgia? You're listening to The David Feldman Show, you happy, self-actualized hump. Oh, my God. We have show business royalty here. I cannot believe who has deigned to visit us. Emmy-nominated, writer, Guild Award-winning comedy writer, creator of Bubkiss, which is streaming right now on Peacock. I can't believe... We have Dave Cyrus here. He created Bupkis, which stars Pete Davidson, Joe Pesci, Edie Falco. It's streaming right now. I cannot believe that Dave Cyrus has time to be with us.
1: Welcome, Dave Cyrus. Thank you, David. And also, I appreciate, you know, as we are both WGA members, I appreciate that your celebration of my show was clearly sarcastic and therefore not in violation of guild rules. If this was just a flat out advertisement or uh, interview about my show, then we'd actually maybe be uh, uh, irresponsible. But since that was clearly just bitterness, it totally flies. Right.
0: I'm telling people not to watch bupkis. I mean, in your personal life, sure. Uh, not because of the Writers Guild; it's just eating me alive. Yeah. That well, we
1: finished it long before the strike,
0: so uh, right. we we're we we're okay. But I, I literally, David, I,
1: liter- I recently found out that we weren't that I wasn't supposed to be doing like promos for it. Thank God, uh, the studio didn't send me out for any because they did. They considered me a loose cannon, apparently. But uh, but yeah, so that, but that was just a happy
0: coincidence. Right. So you would be in violation of the Guild if you were to? I'm not. I don't really know. Honestly. Does this show I, count as promotion or anti-promotion? I think plugging things on my show actually hurts the product.
1: Well, I feel like, you know, if you had a few more subscribers, it might be a real problem.
0: Yeah. Well, we're. I'm a boutique show. Remember, like, right. you know how, like, in Hollywood when somebody says to you, you should come to my agency. We're a boutique agency. Have you ever heard of that expression? Yes. We're, we, we're hands-on. We don't have a lot of clients. The ones we do have, we, we really take care of. This is a boutique podcast. I know the name of every listener, and his name is Hal. <laughs> his name. I have one listener named Hal, and I cater to his every need. So...
1: Yeah. Well, the point is that if I couldn't talk about the show on this show, I would essentially not be allowed to say it in conversation with my family because the numbers are similar. Okay. but yeah. uh, But fortunately, no one's really asked me to uh, to do
0: any promotion. I'm just here as a friend. Well, you you're kind of like me in that uh, you can't keep your effing mouth shut. Yes. Yes, that's
1: true. I like to really give the whole truth.
0: You're you're a team
1: player. Up until a point, I suppose, you know, I'm in it for myself
0: and everyone else, right? But in order to protect everyone else, sometimes you have to go against the mob. And this is what I've tried to explain to somebody. I got into a a bit of an argument this week on a project and everyone in the room was against me. Really? Yes. And I was right. And there were seven people, and I said, I don't care that I'm outnumbered. You're all wrong, and I'm right. And and, well, it's and I am.
1: I'm glad. Well, you know what? That is a certain kind of person. I, I think I kind of am that kind of person. And the world needs those people. I was recently reading about the Challenger. About the o ring the, the O-Ring of the Challenger, and how one engineer knew exactly what was going to happen, but everyone else— Basically said, well, you're not a team player, and what you say doesn't matter anymore. And he went around that day saying, "We have to stop it; it's going to explode." And exactly what he said happened. Happened, and then all I can imagine is as horrible as that was. Can you even can you even picture the "I told you so that his <laughs> wife would get for the rest of his life every time you disagree with him? How could he not just say? You know, I remember the last time a bunch of people said I was wrong. And you know what happened? Death in the sky. That's what happened. (laughs) The most traumatic event of the 1980s happened. Right. Like, you would never be able to stop gloating about that.
0: Right. Was it Shinseki? Was it General Shinseki who said to George W. Bush, don't uh, go into Iraq? And I think Uh, they they kind of fired him. I think it was he.
1: I don't know for sure, but I remember. Of course, uh, before that, you know, you had Richard Clark, uh yeah. going around uh, telling everyone the Bush administration, uh, "Oh my God, Osama bin Laden's trying to to uh, kill us all," and everyone said, uh, "What do you, what do you care about him for?"
0: Right, China, right. China. And- so it's tough to be the, the the person who screams the wolf is at the door, and people don't want to hear that. And including yourself, sometimes speaking out about an injustice, it's easier just to go along, yeah. especially when you're in a writing room or in a corporate setting where the, the consequences are. Who cares?
1: Yeah, it happens all the time. And uh, most people very much want to not be confrontational. I yeah. think you see this a lot in traffic. Where you'll be drive, you don't drive, but you, even traffic often, you know, you'll be in, behind a car, and then other people are trying to get into that lane, you know, maybe it's a lane that's like an, an exit lane, and the person in front of you will let anyone who wants cut the line. That person is morally inferior. Mm-hmm. The good person is the one who's willing to risk an accident to make sure everyone stays where they're supposed to be.
0: Right. Right. So let's let's talk about transportation. Let's talk about New York City subways. I believe the gentleman's name was Jordan Neely. Yes, there was a terrible incident on the subway. Tell tell us what happened, because you have a background uh, in in
1: jujitsu. You're you're, I do. Yes, I do have a bit of a background uh, in jujitsu and mixed martial arts. You know, that sort of thing. You have a brown belt. uh, Go on. Finish the joke.
0: What? wrapped around your neck to heighten your yes. orgasm what, yes. what no what I, is your it's, it's, what is your great joke
1: what do you No. No. i was only I, I i never got to brown actually i was a uh, high yellow uh because i i skipped around a lot but trust me when i, high I was yellow those, yeah i was in one of those schools where like you had to do it for a long time to get any past did you
0: see before. mark zuckerberg did you see the video of him doing yes, and it was infuriating it was it by was. the way that was a white belt tournament i want everyone to
1: understand uh-huh. that was a tournament for white belts that yeah. is a huge distinction to make he what was is not a whi- what is a white belt a beginner it was and a he, and he could have easily have been punched 30. he could have been he easily punched a- he won a tournament of two people total, himself and the person he beat. There was no; it was a tournament of just one match against an over thirty-year-old, one hundred and forty-nine-pound white belt. Yeah, good for him. He see, he wasn't bad. He, look, he won. I'm just saying, it's not as impressive as people want to make it. Right. It, it looked. I thought it looked pathetic. Actually, it, I mean, it was. I, I'll put it this way. I, it sounds like he probably didn't want the attention for it. He didn't want people videotaping him. So I feel like I get it. Like, no, no, he it, did. It, he released it. He celebrated. I think. Oh, he put it out. He put it out. Okay, put it that, out. That, that, I was going to say, if he tried, if he really had done this and, and tried really hard for no one to find out he was doing it, I'd respect that. But the second he acknowledges it or wants anyone to know, hey, look at this. Look at this jujitsu tournament I won in my late 30s. It doesn't have the cachet, he thinks. No, it
0: doesn't. So yeah. you you if I if I got into it with you. Yes you would be using your body to pin me, right? I would go out of
1: my way to try to subdue you non-violently, which should not be a problem. But that's actually what's good about jiu-jitsu. Jiu-jitsu, when practiced properly, is a way to subdue an opponent without causing them physical harm.
0: But if, suppose I'm throwing punches
1: If you're throwing punches, I mean, no, there, believe me, there are ways that. Suppose I have a uh, knife. I mean, if you had a knife, you know, the, what they would tell you in jujitsu class is get away from that person. If you, if you have no choice but to fight that person, there are specific uh, methods that you would use to fight someone with a knife. But the thing about jujitsu compared to kickboxing or other martial arts is, is that it's, if you're, if you're, if you know what you're doing, it lets you subdue someone, stop someone without hurting them. Because you're basically putting them in a position where you're saying, hey, if you don't stop, I'm going to break your arm or I'm going right. to put you or I'm going to choke you unconscious. Uh, but it gives you a, the ability. You don't have to punch them in the face. And I, I have a lot of respect for any practitioner of, of jujitsu. I think it's a beautiful art form and the problem and the thing about that. I want people to understand about this tragedy that happened
0: well, before we get to that. Yes. Yeah, sorry. Jujitsu ju- means you have to, like, rub up against another man. It's part of it. Yeah. Is there a way to is there a way for me to be a practitioner of jujitsu without having to smell another man? No, off? it's not.
1: You got to get you got to get used to that. And you got you have to you have suppose to he immediately immediately an, let Suppose you Suppose he the has brushed his is teeth. the first thing that has to go. Not, it's not to, homophobia. You it, can't be afraid of getting close to a dude and rubbing up against him and smelling him and It's the and smell of the It's the yeah, suppose he's suppose he stinks. It's not pleasant. Well, you really should shower before. You are there, cleanse. what are the rules about hygiene? Um, I don't know of any specific ones. Usually you will hear about it if you are violating them. Usually they don't tell Suppose you. Suppose the guy
0: doing. has really bad breath.
1: Can that be used uh, as a weapon? No, that that wouldn't be considered legally an excuse.
0: Um, no, what I'm saying I, is if I'm going to, Mark Zuckerberg and I are having a tournament and I decide to eat at McDonald's, I and I'm flatulent. Yeah, it wouldn't really come into play.
1: Could I get flatulence. away with it? Uh, you, you are 100% within your rights to fart or smell bad in a jujitsu tournament. So I can I
0: can have a black belt in a month.
1: Well, you know that's the thing is I don't think it would give you quite the advantage you're hoping it would. Uh, but I mean, I can think of multiple times. Actually, I eat
0: him. an In and Out Burger, have the chili fries. The belt wouldn't be brown, but the mat would be. Uh, that's happened.
1: Tim Sylvia shit his uh, shit his pants fighting Azuario Silva, and still won the fight. I think he I think he did in the first round, and the fight was five rounds, and he won with shit in you know his what? pants. Yeah, yeah, that actually happened. Yeah, it, it. Why don't you do that all the time? Because because you could still lose. Because it's a life and death
0: situation, smell and... Who really... Smell. Hang on for a second. You and I are fighting. Yeah. And I have the squirts. Uh-huh. And at the end, they raise your hand as the champion, but you're covered <laughs> in my fundament. Yes. My effluvium. Who really hey, won? Who won? If you're covered I mean, in my effluvium, who won? Well... You're covered in it too, Ooh, but it's mine. I'm always that covered. It help? Yes, it that's does. I who doesn't play pleasant. with their own influvium? You think I, every, be covered, covered in the, your own poop makes you a winner. After every show, that's what I do. That's how I celebrate. Yeah, this is this is a window <laughs> into how you win. see. This is why I don't. This is why uh, I don't want to learn jujitsu. Kickboxing sounds good. Um, I mean, yes, but honestly, jujitsu
1: is a little bit of a safer and healthier thing to get into because you're not getting punched in the face.
0: You're not going to get CTE. And, you know, an athlete's you know, face. That's another problem. If you, what I did with kickboxing is I didn't treat my athlete's foot and I'd right. give my opponent athlete's face. You could well, always you know what, tell when you fought Feldman, your face would be scaly and smell bad. you want to hear something really screwed up. There yeah. were some there were some
1: kickboxers who would grow their toenails to use mm. his weapons a guy in Manhattan killed a man by taking his shoe off and doing a crescent kick and slit his throat with his toenails you know, not think your toenails get yeah you could this guy filed them down and slit a throat with a t- with a with a kick
0: it was I don't back. need to grow my toenails I have the gift of a certain type of yeasty toe jam that would destroy so, right
1: it. so you'll lose the fight but several months later that person will die slowly yes. as your enzymes eat away at his insides.
0: from my toe, i call it toe marmalade it's more yeah. sophisticated than jam there's no corn syrup in it i call it mm-hmm. toe marmalade so let's get serious here for a second yes. uh okay can you keep it clean now? Because yeah. you know you because you, yeah, yeah, yeah. no, you really took it into the gutter just now.
1: I'm sorry. I never should have used uh, the non medical terms for the many many references you made to feces.
0: I okay. So, the, the Jordan Neely, in all seriousness, Michael Jackson impersonator, street performer. Yes, trouble. Yes, he, uh, he was he was a person who had a lot of trouble with the law. He and had a he a lot of he gets onto know, the subway car. And there is a gentleman named Daniel Penny who Uh, puts him in a chokehold. A a former Marine. uh, And kills him. His his defense is that
1: the person was being threatening and being uh, erratic, which I'm, you know, according to witnesses, I believe that. But the thing is, what he describes as being, yeah, the guy did sound he was scaring people and he was being erratic, but he was not actually physically attacking anyone. And that's a giant distinction. And this is all on video. Um, uh, much of it is on video, but I believe the video is mostly, uh, what happened after the confrontation. Uh, but people who were there said that he was yelling that he's willing to go to jail. He wants food. He wants something, uh, and then the guy walked up behind him and choked him out. Now I want to be clear. People have a misconception about ch- the, about a chokehold. I have never in my entire life of being in the mixed martial arts and jiu-jitsu world ever even heard of someone accidentally dying from a chokehold in the context of mixed martial arts. Anyone who has trained in jiu-jitsu knows exactly what you can and cannot do that will cause permanent harm. Everyone has ever been choked out in the jiu-jitsu world. They are ch- they even if they go unconscious they wake up because I don't think people realize it takes a lot to kill someone with that you have to hold on to that hold after the person loses consciousness and the other thing about it is that you also it's not designed to be used for a long period of time of of depleting someone's oxygen of, of restricting their windpipe so i think that people need to understand that you know a jujitsu practitioner using a rear naked choke to subdue someone is not putting that person's life in danger if that person is qualified to use that move, if that person has respect for human life. Because like I said, people get choked out in jujitsu and MMA constantly, unconscious. There has never been a serious injury or death because of it because that's how the human body works. You go unconscious and then you wake back up. Allegedly, I'm not gonna you know say anything illegal, but like the person who put Mr. Neely in this chokehold had to have been holding on to that chokehold far longer than is necessary to subdue someone for someone to simply slip into unconsciousness and die as far as i'm aware Uh, i'm not a doctor but like i said
0: what color is jordan uh, neely and what color is daniel penny the
1: victim was black the assailant
0: was white and but like i said i want to be clear
1: there's a reason you choke people out in jiu-jitsu class If, if this was something that 1% of people died from they wouldn't be doing that but this guy held allegedly I believe held on to this, mo- held on to this choke for far longer than it could have been necessary to subdue someone to, to prevent them from being violent frankly I've put people in chokeholds before many times as part of training for jiu jitsu once, once you have the person in position you don't even have to apply the choke your, your body is around them they're on the ground it's safe no one's getting hurt in my opinion, this person used extremely reckless uh, use of of a very dangerous move that it sounds like he was not qualified to uh, to execute.
0: So is it manslaughter or involuntary manslaughter?
1: Um, I definitely think it I, I mean i'm like i'm not I'm not a lawyer. I don't know the medical the right. legal distinctions between the two. It's some kind of manslaughter.
0: Uh, it's some and kind so of, uh, as we saw with George Floyd who wasn't put in a chokehold, but Derek, he
1: he was used, uh, that was compression, right? They were, they weren't allowing his chest to, to expand. And they, they, once again, they kept on top of him after he lost consciousness. That is the, that is the point here. If you continue a choke, if you continue restricting someone's airflow after they lose consciousness, you are committing a murder. Once you do not let go and the person loses consciousness, you have to understand you are. That is where the murder begins or the manslaughter, whatever it is.
0: And so the right wing, because the man is black, will say what was in his bloodstream. What was the precondition he had? They will come to the defense of Daniel Penny. It's every, these things, everybody goes into their respective corners and then comes out fighting. We know who, right. who, I mean, who the antagonists are in this. It, it it's become us, racial.
1: Yeah. It reminds us of uh, Bernie Goetz. Ber- yeah. and, and, and that was something that, you know, if you were a Republican. Remind everybody who Bernie Goetz was bernard getz was a man who in the 1980s i believe uh 84 i
0: think 84 85
1: 80s was on the subway and people let's not forget new york city subway was a lot more dangerous in those days and this man had been mugged before and he started carrying a pistol and then some men uh he says attempted to mug him with knives or sharpened screwdrivers. and they were black and they were black and he shot them and i believe he was not i believe he was found not guilty or, or not prosecuted. I know he was not. He was. He, he pro- I don't think he was actually I don't think he was actually found guilty of a crime. Let me look but it was, up. But it was one of those situations where, uh, you know, by not knowing what happened, by not seeing it, because, look, if a person lunges at you with a knife, you're allowed to use deadly force against them. Right.
0: Uh, he was appointed police commissioner by Rudy Giuliani. <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh, but uh, but the thing is, when the person is dead, you can't you don't know what happened. So I don't it's, think
0: it's, Bernie gets killed anybody. I think he put somebody in a oh. wheelchair. Oh, okay, my but, mistake. But, no, no, I don't, I, and for some reason, my, I hate doing this, but I can't focus unless I, my internet is, let's see here. Just give me one second, because it's important. Bernard Getz, Uh
1: I think the question often just becomes, People sometimes act as though the moment they are within their rights to use force, they can keep going. Yeah, it's the same principle behind someone saying, "What? They drove onto my property, so I shot them all." Because these people seem to uh, seem to have this idea that like it's an excuse. Like the second you do anything to create the opportunity for me to use a deadly force, I get to kill everyone.
0: Yeah. And it's a very weird attitude. It says here in 87, Getz was acquitted on attempted murder, fined $5,000, and sentenced to six months in prison for illegal weapons possession. So that's interesting. Right. And look I, don't, look, I don't know the
1: details of it. I, I, I would say, though, it's a very nuanced difference because, like, if a person says, give me your money, does that mean you have the right to kill them? Or, you know, I think most people would say no, uh, because also, remember, he had a gun. Now, if he could point that gun at the person and say, run away, doesn't that mean that he doesn't really have the legal right to shoot the person if he did not have? You you see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, it's the same thing as saying, like, you know, if person tries to uh, mug you but then runs away, do you have the right to shoot them in the back? No. But a lot of people would say, well, he was mugging me. It's a very weird thing where, like, it seems like some people are just saying as soon as they get the opportunity to kill someone that they can get away with, they will. And it's a very weird, just kind of attitude. Um,
0: But in our our limited time, uh, let's talk about the the Writers Guild strike. Or let's, before we do that, let's talk about Caitlin Collins, CNN, and Donald J. Trump. Did you get the kind of anxiety that I got? I I was watching Trump on CNN. To me, he's a joke. And then I watch him. You know, this thing I do with Trump is the threat is over. He's he's just a distraction that allows us not to focus on income inequality and class. And then I watch him on CNN and the reaction from the audience. And I think, oh, shit, we have to focus on this a-hole once again.
1: Well, why do we never get to see him in front of like, honestly, average audiences it always seems like he gets to fill up his own people or no audience or no audience right but the thing is we know that this there was a concerted effort to put people who worked for him in that audience they saw multiple people who worked for his campaign pretending to be random people in that audience and let's face it we have to kind of wonder is part of this because cnn is owned by a republican by someone who donates money to donald trump's
0: campaigns uh, which is something that people really need to know. The Discovery Channel and Malone Li- Liberty Media is owned by Malone, who
1: is right. Who wing. Gave a quarter million dollars to Donald Trump's presidential campaign. This is a Trump don- donor. So I think his name is it, Malone. Yeah. So I, I believe so. Um, so the the point is that you know it, Trump says things that are insane. But then an audience validates them there are a lot of people who are that easily suggestible so it is weird that you would allow a bunch of someone's rabid fans at a town hall like this because you know it really should have been if you're going if you're going to have a bunch of people who love trump then you should have an equal number of people who are on the opposite spectrum not you can't have it just be... It was supposed to be swing voters, undecided people. It was not those people. Speech. So how you're do you going to have prove, Trump voters... Yeah. You have to also have... You have to also have, like, Bernie voters. You have to also have hardcore Democrats. You have to have people
0: who are going to balance that. You can't have neutral and right. Anybody oh. who says they're undecided when it comes to Donald Trump is no, voting like, for Trump. Right. It's just a thing they say. Yeah. I, 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 we spent the weekend with somebody who insisted... I, she said, I'm, I'm undecided. And I said, then you're voting for Trump. If you haven't made up your mind by now, you're voting for Trump. It was the same uh, self-congratulatory horseshit that Chris Licht, the chairman of CNN, said the day after, which is we did a service to this country because we we showed America what the stakes are, as though we didn't know who Donald Trump was. As as though it took Caitlin Collins to to interrogate Donald Trump, to get steamrolled by Donald Trump for Americans to wake up and go, oh, maybe this Donald Trump guy is dangerous. We already know who Donald Trump is. Yeah, we're just going back to using him for
1: attention. Yeah. And, you know, I think there is look, it is important that we make sure people are completely aware of what Trump is. And there are better ways of doing that because, you know, Trump doesn't win because people love him necessarily. Trump wins because enough people who hate him can't sully their own perfect selves by voting for anyone against him if it's not, you know, themselves. I think a lot of people just have this attitude of like, you know, I'm a great person because I didn't vote for Hillary Clinton against Trump, even though I hate Trump. And it's not my fault that everything happened under Trump. It's like, well, no, it is, though. It's exactly your fault. because. You were the person who would have stopped this if your ego didn't get in the way and decide that you are too personally important to lower yourself to voting for someone that right. you don't think is perfect. Right. You can't because stopping Trump, you know, just 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 not enough for you to get out of bed. So, you know, you did this. You got rid of abortion and that's your fault and you should live with that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. All right. What are you reading? What are you watching? Well, you, you're not watching television. You're going to the library and buying books because of the strike. So what are you reading? Right. Right.
1: Good point. I've actually been reading something called Scarlet by uh, Brian Michael Bendis. I've been enjoying that a lot. What is that about? A fever? Um, it's a, it's a, it's a, I'm sorry. It is a comic book uh, it, drawn by Alex Malieve. They, they're a great team. I only read the really good comics, I promise. Mm-hmm. And I've also been reading Moon Knight. Uh, which I promise is
0: good. What is Moon Knight?
1: Moon Knight is uh, a Marvel superhero book, but it was a but the the version I'm reading was where they reframe the whole character as being mentally ill, and it's it's not necessarily powers he has, but a mental illness that makes him think he has powers. It's a very cool. The
0: Marvel uh, universe. Before you go, yes, very complicated to some people, not to me. But keeping you know. track of all the alternative universes and. Do you have any questions, David? No, because the questions about the MCU, because I can answer them. I I know that. But imagine if instead of using your mind to sort out the Marvel universe, we worked for Medicare for all.
1: I mean, I I think I'm doing both. Um, Here's the thing. Well, we don't have Medicare for all, but
0: we have a new Marvel movie opening.
1: Right. Because there's no one. Actively, because there's no one who loses billions of dollars when the Avengers movie comes out. Okay. Because we, there's no one fighting against them. There's no counterbalance of people saying, I will lose my empire if people get free Marvel movies. Okay.
0: Well, you and I, listen. I also to, know everything about Game of Thrones. Okay. You and Game I, not to hurt anybody, and I was grateful to be part of it. We went to a, uh, let's call it to be vague, a souvenir show. Okay, it's, the video's going to come out. I don't know why we're trying to be vague, but go on. Okay, but we went to, uh, let's just say we went, we went to a, an autograph show.
1: Yeah. Which, and everybody- the video of which will come out soon, and you'll be able to see
0: exactly okay. the detail
1: of it, yes. Yeah,
0: but I don't want to, and it was a lot of uh, unhealthy white people.
1: I mean, physically, sure. Showing uh, up. Most people there did not look uh, like they used the proper food pyramid, fine, <laughs> but they- Very uh, kind, I, I, very kind. Yeah. I think you know. I don't think there's anything wrong with people. There's
0: not, saying, I'm not judging. You know, I'm not judging. Every Sunday, I want to meet uh, a celebrity that I love. I there were, there were people there that I wanted to meet. No question. But oh, imagine I, I, it's, if it's a weird thing. Yeah. But imagine, I mean, I used. To, I took my kids to meet astronauts, and yeah. I would think, this is a, you know, I'm, I I want to shake hands with Buzz Aldrin. Isn't yeah. my time better used by being civically engaged and mobile? I mean, going to Comic-Con. I've been to Comic-Con a couple of times. These are sweet people. Yeah.
1: But I isn't it better for to them s- to... I, I think you're absolutely wrong to assume that it is an either-or situation, that people cannot have both entertainment and values. Uh,
0: people have long... But it beliefs. isn't either-or. It's that as opposed to what... Whats: no, important? I'm saying,
1: I think the chances are there are a lot of I, I would actually say there are probably a lot of people at Comic-Con who are also uh, people who would I think it's a good chance people also protest for things you believe in. Uh, Comic-Con people, overall are pretty. The planet uh, on is on fire, yeah.
0: and if you're spending your money to see a reunion of uh, you know, Terminator.
1: I would go. i would go ahead and say that if you went to the kind of protest that you are proud of you would there would be no correlation in saying like oh if you're here it means you probably don't like comic books or movies i don't think that's true i think that it's probably the opposite i think it, you know people the same kind of people probably go to comic-con as you know are protesting things that are important as well they might they might just like crowds
0: seems to me and we have to wrap it up and I, i'm not trying to sound like a crank and be judgmental. I'm just saying people, again, I'm not trying to judge well, anybody. By the way, I'm just saying those enter- people-
1: a lot of that entertainment pushes the same values we're talking about. That is true. Good point.
0: Excellent a lot of point. People
1: you- we try to use our abilities of enter- as entertainers to get ideas out because you're going to get a lot more people with a good point. You win. Than with just rote bullshit.
0: You win the argument. You Yay. won. You won. Uh-huh. Dave Cyrus is a brilliant man. You're like an onion. Every time I peel you back, you make me cry from your different layers of talent. Artist, cartoonist, comedy writer, comedian, and he's the creator and star of a show that we won't plug. Yeah, man. Thank you, Dave Cyrus. Thank you. Okay, bye. bye. Great job. Thanks, man.